Welcome to Decoding the Shopper, a Kantar podcast. Most data within this podcast is provided by Wellpanel UK and Ireland with some additional sources for a wider perspective. The health of the nation and retailers and manufacturers' roles in shaping that in part of government legislation has been a hot topic for the last few years. So we'll be talking today about the high fat, sugar and salt legislation or HFSS. I'll be joined by my expert today, Sally Ball, and my name is Fraser McKevitt. I'm the Head of Retailer and Consumer Insight at Cantor. So welcome to our latest episode of Decoding the Shopper. So hi, Sally. Hi. Hello. Um, HFSS. It's very difficult to say. I think it's also quite difficult to understand because how long have we been talking about this? And could you just give an update for everybody so we're all on the same page? Because it's so complicated. We've got different uh, different governments within the, the nations of this country. And a lot's changed. A lot said that's going to happen. Hasn't happened. What is the current state of play with the legislation? So, Fraser, we've been talking about this for what feels like a large number of years. And I'm sure lots of the people listening have been talking within their organisations about this for a long time as well. Actually, when it was implemented was last October. So we have, um, we're, it's been in stores now for over a year. And what happened was slightly different, I guess, to what was originally planned. So um, what actually has been landed in our stores is that there is uh, restrictions now in terms of where products can be located. So it's only products that our are considered to be high in fat, sugar and salt within certain categories. So we're not talking about every product across the store. We're just talking about certain products in certain categories. And they can no longer be at the front of store. They can't be in the queuing areas or at the end of aisles. So this is snacks, pizzas, soft drinks, that kind of thing? It is, yeah, largely. Um, you've got other categories such as ready meals. Um, you've got a really quite a broad, a broad mix. But I guess it's those that... Um, are more likely um, to to kind of add calories into our diets. So, so that that's what has been implemented. What was originally planned fell by the wayside. So there was an element about media and advertising, and there was an element about promotions. So the promotions was focusing on uh, volume promotions, as we would call them. Mm, so buy one deals exactly like that, that yeah. buy one get one free that kind of thing, um, and. Actually, even though the legislation hasn't come in on that, some retailers uh, went ran with that right from the beginning. So that they've um, implemented that change back from October. But not all retailers have, and nobody actually has to. Yeah, that's interesting. I haven't seen a buy one, get one free in a, live in a store for a while. If I see one, I'd like to pick that up and buy <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> I know, I'm probably harping back to all the times here, aren't I? Um, but I, I, the point that you also mentioned is about uh, the fact that we've got lots of different um, governments covering yeah, different Yeah, so what, parts. What, what, what have Westminster done differently to Cardiff and, and Edinburgh? Yeah, so the HFSS legislation at the moment only applies to England. But the, the kind of devolved nations, so they, they are also looking at it. So, you know probably legislation to follow um but at the moment it's just england it's just in england so so we know that scotland for instance um with minimum unit pricing on alcohol have been a little bit more interventionist i think it's fair to say in some areas but yeah. they, they haven't haven't here yet not yet no um and wales as well with minimum unit pricing um but yeah i mean there is there is quite a lot of talk about what those um those areas might be doing um and we know that um, you know plans are kind of afoot 
Yeah. So, so the big question, isn't it? So I've noticed this when I wander around my supermarket, you know, that the stuff's no longer at the, at the till, the, the pester power. Um, what difference has this legislation made, whether it's actually enforced or it's just retailers choosing to do something in, in the spirit of it? What difference has it made to shopper behaviour and the consumption of calories, I guess? Well, we, we'll all notice. So when we go into store now, it's there is there is more kind of healthier versions of the products that we're used to buying available. So when we look at what's available on the ends of aisles, you notice now, um, well, you'll certainly notice if you look that um, the products tend to be slightly different to the ones that used to be there. The- yeah, it seems that every new product development these days is a high protein, low calorie snacking product um to be slightly sweeping there's, there's a lot of innovation going on that yeah, space, isn't there? there there is a lot there is a lot and there was certainly a lot in the run-up to to october of last year but we're still seeing that coming through now so it hasn't stopped but there was certainly a, a huge flurry of it um in the run-up for when it was implemented if we take the net effect of that and like a very crude measure of like the percentage of products being sold in those categories that are HFSS versus not, we're actually at the lowest level that we've been now in in over five years. So um, so just, just to go back a step, so in our data, how do we determine, in the Kantar data, how do we determine if it's HFSS or not? So we collect the nutrient information. So if you take pick up any any product, you know, bag, bag of crisps, turn it over, you'll see a, a nutrient profile box on the back so it will say your calories your salt your carbohydrates all the all the others and we we call it the big eight but um you know what i mean so we collect all that information and we we map it onto the purchasing that our panelists um record for us so our panelists are telling us exactly what they've bought and we're then mapping on okay so now we know um the the nutrients of what you've bought as well and do we combine all that data into one single score? Or we do exactly that. So it's called the nutrient profile model. Um, it's it's quite a complicated model, as I'm sure lots of people on the on the call are aware. If they've tried to calculate it themselves, um, we we don't have absolutely everything we need for that. But we do. Um, so we have to estimate the fruit, veg, and nut content. But that gives us a really really good estimate of what that NPM score would be. And then basically, it's a, there's a there's a cutoff. So if your score is um, four and above in your food, then you're classified as HFSS, and it's slightly different for drinks. But so we've got a, a real um, kind of solid boundary there that tells us uh, whether we're looking at products that are HFSS or not. Uh, which categories, Sally, have seen the greatest shift in behaviour or, or sales trends since um, since the legislation came in, or indeed around reformulation? Of, of products to get under that barrier or, or, or at least make them slightly healthier? Interestingly, actually, almost, and not, not completely, but almost all of the categories within that legislation have seen a shift in some way. That's really interesting. So even things that are inherently, because, you know, they're very treaty, might you might consider to be unhealthy, mm. um, even they've managed to sort of, you know, shift the behaviour in, in sort of the desired direction of the legislation. Most of them. Yeah. Most of them, but not all of them. The ones that have seen the biggest shift are um, pizzas and then what we call crisps and snacks. So, you know, the kind of thing, bag mm. snacks. So they're the ones that really stand out. Breakfast cereals as well. Um, and interestingly, the we're not just seeing a move towards 
and we would call it non-HFSS, but, you know, the healthier stuff within the category, the net effect of that within those categories as well is that the the average um, amount of calories or whatever it is, the, the average NPM score, we would call it, has improved as well. And, and is it possible to gauge on something like pizza? Is it to do with reformulation or is it to do with new product development or is it just to do with consumers choosing the, the healthier option? I'm sure there's a balance. but Yeah, I think it is a balance. I mean, I I don't have the absolute numbers for that, um, to be honest with you. But what I can tell you is that there has been a lot of reformulation going on within that category. Um, so I think probably a little bit of both, that the availability um, of the HFSS products is obviously going to be um, more difficult now in terms of shoppers like, picking that up on impulse. Um so a, a mix of the two, or mix of the three, I should say. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's interesting to wonder, to speculate, I suppose, around consumer awareness of this, because of course, if you go out and eat in some restaurants, if they're larger restaurant chains now, of course, you get given a not the whole nutrient information, but you get given some calorie information when you're out and about as well. So you know, they're, they're, it's probably just more on people's minds. I know it certainly is for me when I when I look at products, I do consider is it more healthy or not? Yeah. Uh, and that is definitely true. So as you as you touched on with within the out of home space, you know, the, the calories on menus has become a has become something that um restaurants have had to provide now. But interestingly, we've we did speak to shoppers um kind of towards the beginning of this process and generally there's a people aren't aware of hfss it's it's not something that people are sitting around talking about no generally unless you not. work in our industry but I, th- but I think they are aware aren't they of their own health whether it's a a diet as such they might not put it in those that language and we know that compared to a decade ago people are actually saying i'm i'm watching my diet a lot less but when you dig into health a bit more yeah they they are really thinking about what they're putting into their bodies yeah so we've been We've been um, surveying our panellists for a number of years now and talking to them about the extent to which they're concerned about the nutrients within their food. And generally, if we ask about, you know, those, those top nutrients, so sugar is always the one that people are most concerned about, um, but salt, saturated fat, there's a high level of concern. So we have seen that drop a little bit over the last year, which is interesting because obviously HFSS has come in and people are saying, I'm not, not as bothered as I was. But we have to put that into context in that, obviously, if you think about the, the amount of things that people have had to be concerned about over the last year, you know, they've well, had other things. On well, exactly. Health, health collides with money here, doesn't it? Very so, much so. Uh, what people say and what people do, I think, can be very different. Do, so I suppose two questions from that, Sally, is one, is there any evidence that you know the, the slightly healthier options cost people more money? And how's this all playing out in the you know the whole cost of living crisis uh, has been we've been experiencing as a nation? Not only inflation in grocery, but prices rising and incomes growing behind um, inflation more generally in the economy over the last couple of years. Yeah. So does it cost more money? It depends on the category. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd have to literally sit down and look like for like products. If you take the the products that have been able to reformulate, you know, if there, there, isn't, there isn't necessarily an absolute equivalent in some categories to make that comparison. If we were to take it, I guess, in a slightly more simplistic level and say that people might trade down to own label if, if money was feeling tight, um, the healthiness, the average healthiness of own label 
in these categories, um, in about 60% of cases, tends to be slightly healthier than the brands. So actually, there's a there's a slight um, movement there, which perhaps wasn't intended to be for health reasons. It might have been for, for monetary reasons. Um, but if we... If we think about the people, that, um, the shoppers on our panel, we could very crudely split them according to the extent to which they um, are feeling financially comfortable at the moment. And we do that and we call that our pressure groups. So we know that a lot of people have found the last year or so pretty difficult financially. Uh, that's not that's just the whole nation has got poorer. I think it's it's fair to say. Um how do we look at that at Kantar and split shoppers down? So since 2020, so almost every quarter, we have been sending a survey out to our panellists and we've been asking them the extent to which they feel financially comfortable. And we can broadly split our panellists into three groups. So we've got those that say that they're struggling to meet ends meet and we call those the struggling. We've got those who are kind of just about getting by and we call those the managing. And then we've got those who are um, um, are most comfortable and they are called the comfortable. So we've got these three groups. And what we've done um, since the beginning of 2020 is just track those over time and just to understand the extent to which the population is falling into those groups. Um, and what we've seen with the struggling group, unfortunately, is that has increased quite markedly over over the last year. Um, slightly fallen back again. Over the last set of yeah, data. Yeah, as, as inflation has, yeah. general inflation and grocery inflation has fallen back. Um, what's going to be really interesting, yeah, if we do another wave of this study, is to see if if people are feeling any better. As yeah. you know, We now know that CPI, the official headline rate of inflation, is under 5%, so met the government target. Um, but a lot of people's mortgage rates and rental um costs are going up so i don't know we're looking to the future here i don't know if it's going to continue falling and what impact that's going to have on their grocery purchasing Mm. and more specifically how top of mind health is for them because there seems to be a negative correlation in the data isn't there so when when people are when people are worried about money they're less worried about health and vice versa. Yeah, I mean, that, that's very true. I mean, the extent to which they're worried about health and the extent to which they're picking up healthier products might be slightly different. Um, but if we just focus on the latter and think about how healthy their baskets are, then it's definitely true to say there's a negative correlation. So the struggling do tend to have the least healthy baskets. Now, we have... Over the last year, we have seen this dial shift a little bit in terms of we're all picking up um, less of the kind of HFSS and so the less healthy products, and that's true of all those all three groups. But I suppose the the shift has been least within that struggling group. So the affordability of the the healthier alternatives may be such that it's um, it's more difficult for that group to 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 buy healthier products and um, and and eat healthier products. Moving on, so twenty twenty three, we've we've talked a lot. Throughout the year, I know you have. Um, it's been about the price of food. It's been about the impact of the legislation. How do you think we're going to pan out in this space in 2024 and beyond? What, what do you think that, um, that brands and retailers should be starting to think about now? So we've been saying for, for many, many years that health is a safe bet, um, it's had its peaks and troughs, hasn't it? Over over the last few years, we've 
kind of had different things as a as a as a country to deal with, but we still believe it's a safe bird. So investing in healthier products um, feels like it's it's a solution that um, manufacturers and retailers should still be um, working towards. And um, you touched on it earlier, but the HFSS doesn't only currently only exist within England. Um, we know that the Welsh government, for example, have been looking at uh, whether they should be introducing something similar. And I believe, you know, have been um, putting uh, announcements out about that. What I've been hearing from um, more reading in the press as well on this is that there's consideration about whether the promotional element should be part of their strategy and actually um, looking at price promotions as well. So, you know, you mentioned earlier, Fraser, that you haven't seen a buy one, get one free for for a long time. I think what we have all seen, though, is products which have had a you know certain amount of money off. And actually, if that was to be brought into the legislation within Wales, um, what impact that would have? And I think, you know, people listening who are thinking about marketing plans for next year and pricing and promotional plans, actually to, to consider pricing promotions not being available in these categories is obviously a much bigger ask. That is an interesting way of looking at it as well, because also we know just at the back end of this year, 2023, as we speak, that promotional spending is creeping back up Mm. and it's been on downward trend pretty much since 2014. So if promotions are becoming more important and there's going to be more trade spend uh, made from brands and with retailers, if then some of it that, that sort of gets you know, taken away by legislation. That I think that's quite an interesting dynamic. Mm. Now, plenty of other podcasts are available that will talk about politics. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think we need to cover that. No. But it looks likely we're going to get an election, a general election next year, um, either in the spring or in the autumn. What effect do you think that could have? I mean... Who knows, Fraser? Is my is my response to that? I guess whoever whoever comes into power is going to have their their own ideas about whether this legislation continues or whether new legislation is needed or whether in fact we have no legislation. Um, and I'm not going to be the one to guess that. <laughs> well, if I can if I can just push you a little bit to speculate or at least give your give your your expert opinion. I mean, will a Labour government you think will be more interventionist than a Conservative government or? Don't want to talk about that. Um, there's certainly been talk about um, about continuing that, hasn't there, from a Labour perspective? Um, but yeah, I, I, I just think we, I'm massively speculating, Fraser, and um, I'm probably repeating what I've read rather than. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, than having... that's fair enough. I tried to push you there, but I'll I'll I'll, I'll leave that. Um, so. Um, what have we really learned over the last year that will will then lead on on to twenty twenty four? Let's just let's just recap on the main points. I think mm. so. Um, you know, healthier products. How, how what proportion is it of of food and drink is consumed for reasons of health? It's pretty high, isn't it? Yeah, it is really high. I mean, um, we know that it kind of goes in peaks and troughs, doesn't it? And it's probably at a lower level now than it has been for a while. But it, it remains it remains really high. But in terms of... It's around a third of food and drink, isn't it? Yeah, so I think it is. Yep. But interestingly, I mean, it's almost been a, a just a bit of a test bed, hasn't it, over the last year to to really start to to analyse our data and to, and to understand the impact that some of this policy can have. And the fact that we've seen such differences by categories has, has drawn kind of its own conclusions in that we've got categories that are 
very indulgent. And yes, we might have seen the dial shift a little bit. It's really hard for those categories to really shift the dial a lot in categories where really it's looking shoppers shoppers are buying them for certain needs, aren't they? And probably you question about what percentages for health in those categories, very, very low. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's, yeah. it's Friday night. Health might not be up the top of my uh, agenda. I don't I think just, it features. I just want a lovely pizza. Do you? Uh, yeah. Are you going pizza? I'm, see, I'm going chocolate and wine. And um, and health isn't isn't featuring there. They're, they're not mutually exclusive, either of those, <laughs> <laughs> any of those um, products, are they? I'd, I'd have them all on a Friday night. No. So, so that, that, that would be perfect for me. Sally Ball, thank you very much for the discussion today. I've certainly found it fascinating and I hope our listeners have. And it's been a great pleasure to have one of the people who must know more about HFSS than anyone else in the country to speak to today. And thank you to you, the listeners, for hearing another edition of Decoding the Shopper with Cantar. Thank you for listening to Decoding the Shopper, a Kantar podcast. Stay tuned for more episodes and you can get in touch with us through our website, kantar.com forward slash UKI.